here. Nobody's that old. 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, which the kids should recognize from Sunday school. I adore the way little children say Nebuchadnezzar. And the nation of Babylon destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital of Jerusalem. Not only did they destroy the capital and the city, they also destroyed the first temple that was ornate and beautiful, which was built by King Solomon after God said his father David could not build the temple because he was a man of war. They took the Jews, though, of the Jews of the southern kingdom captive, and they dispersed them from their homeland. But you fast forward from that point 50 years later, and there is a new king in charge in Persia, and he destroyed and defeated Babylon. And in 538 B.C., Cyrus the Great, the new king of Persia, issued a decree permitting conquered peoples to return back to their homelands where the Babylonians had, had taken them. They were allowed to go back to their homelands, and the prophet Ezra spoke about this. Ezra 1, 1, and I'm so thankful today. That you're, you're, very few times you're going to hear me say this. I am thankful Brother Foster ran out of time this morning because he was getting ready to preach my message. He said, go to Haggai. I was like, oh, no, he didn't. Haggai, I was like, oh, no, he, no, he didn't. But I just figured, then he ran out of time. I was like, sweet. He just kept going, and I didn't even need to get up. But Ezra 1.1, it says, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled his prophecy, the prophecy that he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. This is what the king Cyrus of Persia says. This is, God will use whoever is in office to accomplish his purpose. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. So the first group headed back to their homeland with excitement of rebuilding what God called them to rebuild. But how many of you know that sometimes God calls human beings to a great work, but human beings sometimes lose sight of the great work they were called to do? And so they return to their homeland with enthusiasm. And where do they start? They start in a great place. You know what they start to rebuild first? The altar. They start to rebuild a great work for the Lord will always begin with your altar. I'll, I'll repeat that just because you might have missed it. A great work for the Lord will always begin with your altar. And so this morning for a little bit here, I know we're running a little more behind with everything we had to announce. But I still want to just give you the word before we leave. And I'm going to preach what began at an altar, what began at an altar. God, thank you so much for everyone who's tuning in online, watching right now. Thank you for people who are here in person, Lord. Lord God, I just pray, let your, your word and your spirit come to life, Lord Jesus, in, in the lives of someone here today, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open and receptive to what it is that you want to do, say, speak, and accomplish. Lord, let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So after they started by building their altar, local residents immediately began threatening them and discouraging them for their, in their God-given work. Instead of praying and binding together and pressing on, this group became discouraged and they quit. And God, you know, he, he's called some of you. He's called some of you in a very clear way. And maybe in the past, you've responded in altar. You've wept tears, made promises. You've felt the power and presence of God. You've heard him speak to you. But maybe discouragement rolled in, and you've gotten off course a little bit. Anyone ever been there? You've had altar experiences. You could point to different spots, tears, the feeling, what God spoke, the promises he made. But even now, you could say, man. Got off course a little. You let the enemies of your calling distract and, and discourage you. And now, unfulfilled business is lying around you and God's calling you to finish what you started. So even after returning to their homeland after 50 years of exile and after starting construction of the altar for the Jerusalem temple, the temple was still in ruins 20 years later. They went back. 50 years in another place. Hey, you can go back. They go back, start building an altar, and 20 years go by. The altar is still, you know, it's whatever they got done, that's done there. But the temple, it's still laid in ruins from back when the Babylonians took them captive. So the temple's laying around. Things are busted up, destroyed. Nothing has been done there. They just started the altar and stopped. But, you know, it's not like they went home. It's not like they went, okay, well, let's go back to Persia or let's go back to the place where we know this was their homeland. So what did they do? They stayed there. They stayed there and, and they started rebuilding their own houses and their own names and their own careers. Could you imagine that you get dispersed, you get taken into exile they allow you after 50 years to go back. You start building an altar, get discouraged by the enemies, by the, by the problems of that day. And so you just start building your own home, your own name, your own career. But every day that you head to your job, to your friend's house, to wherever you're going, you had to walk by the temple of the Lord God just laying there in ruins. of you know this to be true, the enemy usually will not get in the way of you building a name for yourself. In the 21st century in the United States of America, it is actually pretty easy to build a name for yourself. But if you want to do something to glorify God's name, that is will. That is when you will find your opposition. For these 20 years, the house of the Lord just laid there in ruins. History shows the Hebrew people were gloomy during this period. Selfishness crippled the community spirit. Apathy and disillusionment detracted from their worship. They were in a bad spot as they were ignoring the call from God. And instead, they were building beautiful, comfortable homes for themselves. And that is when God sends the prophet Haggai. We don't hear a lot of messages based on Haggai. Like, I was going to spend some time on that. Like, when was the last time you heard a message on Haggai? Then Brother Foster gets up here, messes everything up, starts talking about Haggai. 
I say that tongue-in-cheek. I love the fact that God has aligned us. He does that a lot. We don't talk about these things. He has no idea what I'm preaching outside of a title slide maybe that he might look at. I have no idea what he's preaching outside of the series title that he's given me. But Haggai, this is an interesting fellow. They needed to hear from the Lord, and we do too. What's unique about Haggai is unlike many of the other Old Testament prophets, the people actually listened to Haggai. Most of the other ones, they didn't, they didn't listen. They didn't do anything with what they said. Haggai, they actually did something. They actually listened. They actually responded. His, his four brief sermons recorded in the book were a wake-up call to a community that was spiritually asleep, and God used Haggai to call them back to the work of the Lord. Why? Well, because every day they just kept walking by. Oh, yeah, I remember when, about 15 years ago. I mean, you think 20 years in Bible times, 586 B.C. You know, we don't really think about that. But let's try and put that in perspective. How many of you are in your 50s? Why, why are most of you like this? <laughs> what, do, what do I have to look forward to? I, I, does it get worse as time goes on? What, uh, I'm like, how many of you are on your teens? See, they're a little more excited. I mean, 50s, I just saw a few hands. They're like, they didn't wear deodorant. I mean, you think about that, 50, 50 years, that's how long that they were in exile. Could you imagine being taken from your home, taken to another place, half the time they give you new language, new clothes, new customs, and you're there for as long as you people in your 50s have been alive. And they come home and say, well, let's start building an altar. And then they get discouraged. And how many of you are in your 20s? And that altar sits there in the temples as long as you guys have been alive. But it's not that they had a money issue or a time issue. They were building beautiful houses for themselves. Could you imagine just walking by the temple ruins? Oh, man, that used to be an awesome place. But come here, check out my home. Check out my home. Check it out. And so Haggai, he comes along in Haggai 1.3. It says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. He says, why? Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? That's a pretty pointed question, huh? Imagine heading to work one day, and the prophet, the preacher gets up, hey, thus saith the Lord, why are you all living in these luxurious houses? And my house, after all these years, still is sitting here in ruins. And he goes on in verse 7, it says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look now at what's happening to you. Go up into the hills, bring down timber, rebuild my house. 
He already told him that once, didn't he? I'm so thankful that God doesn't only give us one chance. And he says, rebuild my house and then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And you're busy building your own fine houses. And as I read this, I say, man... Does anything in this story relate to us today? It doesn't lay in ruins. I think it looks pretty nice. But how often do we put all of our effort and energy into what is mine and my name and my career and my home and my stuff? And God's stuff lays in a pile in the corner. Here we are 2,550 years later, and humanity still deals with these same things. Maybe that's why King Solomon once said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, history and merely repeats itself. It has all been done before nothing under the sun is truly new. God's call to work in and at his temple did not change because there was a setback. When he said, I spoke through King Cyrus, and I said, tell the people back, they're going to build my house. And he says, good luck, go. God just spoke through me, but he's your God. Go do what you got to do. They had a calling, and they went back and excited and, and passionate. And they just came back from Youth Congress, worshiping with thousands of people. And Why does... Foster touched on that today. Why does, our, why does our passion and excitement go through like waves? They came back. Let's start the altar. Let's, oh, man, that's a great idea. Let's start the altar. So they start constructing the altar. And then all of the different issues of life happen. They said, well, just leave the altar. I'm going to go start working on my house. Yeah, me too. I'm going to start hitting my house. You know, my house, I'd like to rebuild my house. It'd be nice for my house. I'd like to have a nice house to live in. And before you know it, 20 years go by. And the intentions that you once had at an altar the tears that we once shed at an altar. The effort and the energy that we once put in in an altar, 20 years later, we go back and say, man, I've built, I built quite a name for myself, but God's stuff. They had setbacks. They had enemies. They had things get in the way. And in 2020, we have learned a thing or two about setbacks. Today, we're supposed to be having a community hope fest with all this stuff in our parking lot. It would have been a great, beautiful day for it. But we canceled it earlier this year, just like everything else. And 2020 just got canceled. The whole year got canceled. But guess what? God's calling has never been based on the external circumstance. If God calls us to something, he's never said, well, but king of Persia, here's the word that I gave to the people. But if it rains, tell them not to worry about it. Well, if naysayers come and start to get in their face, tell them to just not stress about it. We never see God... Say, hey, my will is based on your external circumstance. 
And he's calling to his people still today. And here's what I love. God doesn't leave his people to sit back and deal with the setbacks themselves and, and mess with the enemies by themselves. Look what Haggai says in 113. He says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. I love that. We, we, we just, on our Bible reading, we just kind of scan over that like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. That's, that's, that's through the whole Bible, so we don't really stop. But I say, hold it. No, stop right there. Don't just fly past that. When God calls you to do a work for him, he does not send you into things and say, go figure it out for yourself. He says, I am with you. He has always emphasized that throughout the sands of time, even when Jesus was born. He says, that baby born is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with you. He's always emphasized Old Testament, New Testament. Here today, he says, I am with you. Yeah, but look at this. I'm with you. Yeah, but you've called me to do this. Yeah, but I'm with you. But, but, but look at the circumstance. Look what everybody's dealing with. Yeah, but I'm with you. And having a full understanding of that should spark the same response today as it did in the Hebrews back then. Amen? And so in verse 14 it says, So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil. Governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of God, the Lord of heaven's armies. Sometimes leave that scripture up there. Go back to verse 13. Sometimes life happens, situations happen, and we all just desperately need verse where, where were we? 14. Right there. Sometimes we desperately need a word from the Lord to once again spark our enthusiasm. I'm thankful. Leave it up. Leave it up. I'm thankful that we're not like God. Because what happens when we say to our kids, hey, take your shoes upstairs. We don't normally come back a second and third time and say, hey, sweetie, I told you to take your shoes up the stairs. Hey, hey, uh, I just, I just, uh, what, did you, did you, oh, I think you forgot again. Could you please take your shoes up here? Does any of your parents talk to you like that? No? <laughs> what do they really say? All your parents are key leaders in this church. Tell me what they really say. Brother Foster's over there nervous. He looks nervous. We don't typically do that. We're like, what did I just tell you? Our voice like goes to a whole new depth that we, we didn't even know it existed. Some of us think our kids are hard of hearing, so we elevate our sound so they can hear better. <laughs> Their parents go to extremes and the shoes just end up in the garbage. I don't know. I mean, like, there's different parenting styles out there. 
And sometimes it depends on how much you ate when you ate last, if you had your coffee, and whether you slept well. I've never met a perfect parent, and I certainly am not one, but we don't usually, you know, hey, second time, you know, God, he's, he comes back, he says, hey, you know, I, I spoke to Cyrus, and now I'm speaking again. And now I'm going to give you a word to spark some enthusiasm in you. I d see, that's what I'm going to tell my kids. I'm going to say, I'm just trying to spark enthusiasm in you. Just trying to spark some enthusiasm. But he, he, he reminds them and he says, hey, it says, and God sparked enthusiasm in them. What sparked enthusiasm in them? What's right before this verse? Not only a message from the Lord, but God reminding them in the midst of exile and jumping from home to home and customs and all these issues and enemies. He just shows up and says, hey, I'm still with you. Somewhere along the line... You started to focus so much on the situation and the enemy and the resources and who is on the throne. Who was in the political office. You started to, the fact that you got consumed with your house and your stuff and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I just want to remind you of something. I'm still with you. And so really, if I've called you to do something, and you're willing to do it, and I'm with you, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, but churches right now aren't really growing, and look at this, and we're not reaching people. Look at the community. Look at people's attitudes. I wonder if God says, you know what, I totally missed that. No, just that's fine. I understand. God says, let me spark a word of enthusiasm in your life. I have called you to the city of Liberty, Missouri, and the surrounding areas. And I have placed my spirit inside of you. And I've said, go ye therefore and reach and teach all nations. And I, and I told you when I was born, I was with you. And then I put my spirit in you so that, he says, there, you, where I am, there, where there you are, where I may be also. Even so to the end of the world. God like reassures us so many times in New Testament, Old Testament, all through the Bible. I am with you. And so where we start to get messed up is when we start to look at the finances and the, the society and the sickness and all of the things going on. And we start to say, yeah, well, I started building. I remember when I started building an altar at one point, but then... My house needed to be rebuilt. I remember when I used to come to prayer meetings, but then I just had stuff to do. And I remember when I used to do this, but then life happened. And, and before we know it, 20 years goes by. God's stuff is in a heap. But we're thriving. And so Haggai, he gets the task of standing up and calling the people back and saying, God still has a plan here, folks. And maybe today that's what I'm just trying to do is a lot of things have happened in 2020. A lot of things have not happened. 
in 2020. But God is here to spark some enthusiasm and say, my plan still has not changed. I am with you. I just wish somebody would hear that right now. I wish I was going down in nursery today. Today's one of those nursery days. I need somebody that maybe just something that sparks a little enthusiasm that says, you know what? That's right. God is. God is with me. God, my, my mission hasn't changed. My calling hasn't changed. Sometimes we just need a word from the Lord to, sp to spark some enthusiasm, to remind us work still needs to be done. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. Here are a few things that spark enthusiasm in me. God has spoken. I am called. There's work to be done. And he's with me. Those are the four things I take out of that passage. That God speaks. I'm called. There's work to be done. And he's with me. Haggai, two forces, but now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Josh, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, be strong, all of you people still left in the land, and now get to work. Be strong, be strong, be strong, get to work. And now get to work, for I am with you. Again, but check out what else God speaks to his people through Haggai. In verse 3, he says, does anyone remember this house? Here it is laying in ruins. Anybody remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? And no doubt some of those people, they started to dream back. Oh, man, I'll never forget. There is no doubt some elders still around that said, I'll never forget when Solomon opened the temple that day. When we brought so many sacrifices, it was our heyday. Everybody, they knew, oh, King David, the lineage we come from, King David, he was a warrior, and everybody respected King David. Then his son Solomon came along, and he was the wisest man to ever live, and people came from far and, and, and near just to come and hear his, his voice and his wisdom, and we were rich, and we built this rich, beautiful temple, and it was ornate, incredible. We offered sacrifices. God's spirit came down in such a marvelous way. We couldn't even, the priest couldn't even stay to minister. They were just slain in the spirit of God, just laying there. Just, wow. I mean, God, it was so strong. Oh, I wish. I wish. So how would you like that if God speaks and says, hey, you remember this thing in its former splendor? He says, what does it look like to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Imagine if you're there, you're like, man, it's kind of disheartening. Thanks, God. Thanks for that. Yeah, imagine what it used to be. Now, look, it's a, it's a pile of trash. Look at that. Man, and, and, and he just took them back, and, and they're like, you ever meet one of those 40, I feel myself in there, 50, 60-year-old guys that are still living in the past. Yeah, dude, when I was in high school. Like, dude, you're 60, man. You've been out of high school for how long? Yeah, but when I was in high school, man, all the girls wanted me. I'll never forget. I could have went pro, but I can't tell you how many people I've heard said they could have gone pro. And I'm like, really? Because there's like .00001% that go pro. But you could have been pro. I hear that a lot. 
man, I could have went pro, man. I, oh, I used to whoop people, blah, blah, blah. They're just like, okay. Fast forward. <laughs> Let's get with the times. We're here we are. We're not living in 10 years ago no more, 50 years ago. You know, God says to them, remember? Remember what that temple used to look like? And, you know, comparison can be the thief of joy. Our church is there. It's their church. Our music versus their music. My car versus my neighbor's car. My house versus my neighbor's house. Pastor Gary's preaching versus some other person's preaching. Now, don't do that. Isn't that like humanity sometimes? We just, we look back and we exalt what used to be. Because our memory can shift over time sometimes. I remember we used to do this. Yeah, but do you remember what came along with that? Well, I remember we used to we used to do it like this. Yeah, but do you remember the price you paid to do that? See, it sometimes sneaks into churches. We we used to be powerful. We used to have a full building. I used to be used by God. If I could just get back to where I used to be. And sometimes we're looking at the things that once were, and they're laying in ruins now, and we're sitting there mourning what used to be, instead of God going, let me spark you with a word of enthusiasm. I'm still here. I'm still with you. Let this be a word of encouragement to someone who you used to be close to God. You used to be mightily used to God. You used to be have a ministry. You used to... Why, why keep looking backward when God is sitting here saying, let me spark you with a word of enthusiasm. And it's simply this. I'm still with you. And folks, I'm not, I'm not going to be much longer. There is a reason why God stops during this and throws this thing in here that almost seems out of place and says, hey, look back. Remember that? Huh. What do you think it is now? You ain't nothing like that no more. That ornate temple laying in ruins, you've been leaving it sit there. Oh, what a disaster things are right now. I wonder if people were just like, that stinks. Thanks a lot, God. Like, you call us, tell us you're with us, but then rub our face in it, telling us about how great it used to be, and we're nothing like that. Appreciate that. But there's a reason why he says it. Because he took them back. No doubt. When the prophet says, and God speaks, do you remember the days when this thing was standing? There is no doubt. Just like some of you, you know, if we start talking about when you played on the football team or even going to this church. Oh, man, remember when this church was formed? No doubt. When someone touches something that means something to you, you do not just sit there and go, yeah, it's a good time. You start saying, Oh, I've been around. We, we, we all do this about something that touches our, our heart. You start to go, oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Do you remember sister so-and-so? Do you remember him? Do you remember in high school when you did this? Remember that game that we won? Remember when he broke off that touchdown? Remember when we won homecoming? Do you remember when we had that prayer meeting and that lady came and she was healed? And we just start to reminisce. 
There's no doubt when God says in prophets, stand up there and tell them about that, that temple. There's no doubt that they said, oh, yeah, I cannot. I'll never forget when they started bringing all those sacrifices. I ain't never seen that many sacrifices in one place. They started putting one sacrifice after another on the altar. And all of a sudden, we just started to feel something in the atmosphere. Something shifted. All of a sudden, God entered into that brand new temple in a way none of us had ever experienced. It got to the point where a priest started trying to bring a sacrifice to an altar and he literally couldn't even stand anymore. The power and presence of God was so strong that he, he kept trying to bring the next sacrifice and oh man it was so powerful that, that people just started to lay on the ground and weep and cry out to God. We felt a, a, a move of God's spirit unlike we had ever in the history of our world. We just It was incredible and, and no doubt some of the elders were telling those younger kids about it and they were going wow I never felt that. We've been in Babylonian exile. Thank God for a Persian king that let us come back here but we tried to build an altar now though I got a, I got a beautiful house but but man these stories are incredible no doubt that people started to, to share memories and reminisce about all these things that God had once done and God then says Haggai says for this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says in verse 6, in just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth. No doubt they knew that language because that's the kind of stuff that happened in Solomon's first temple. And all of a sudden they're sitting there and listening to the stories, reminiscing about what used to be and where they are now. And Haggai says, let me interrupt your stories for a minute. For God's got another word. And here's what God says. I'm not belittling what I've done. That was great. It was awesome. But God says, in just a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. Oh, but we're in exile. We can't afford to do nothing. We're just a small church trying to buy a big building. Oh, God, I just don't. God says, you just wait. In just a little while, I'm going to start to bring in the resources from other people that you don't even have in your possession yet. And it's going to come into this place. And it's going to come into this temple. And it, well, what temple? We don't even have a temple. It's sitting here. It's just a mess. But when God speaks a prophetic word, he's always just looking for a man or a woman to dare to dream and to cling to that prophetic word. He says, I'm going to bring it in to what is currently a pile, a heap, a rubbish, a garbage dump that nothing's going on. He says, I'm going to fill this place. Place, with the place with the glory. Oh, well, well, wait. Now he's going back. That's exactly what happened with Solomon. That's exactly what happened back then. And God says, I am going to do it again. But he doesn't stop there in verse 9. or Verse 8, he says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. Because you know why? Humanity doesn't change. Whenever, something, whenever God wants to do something, the first thing that we always do is how are we going to pay for it? I wish we could all get a revelation for just a moment about how little God is concerned about money.
I'm not talking about our faithfulness ties. I'm talking about the provision, the amount of money that he needs to accomplish his project. I guarantee you that when he's got a people that are saying, I trust you, you're with me, let's do this. God is never saying, oh man, Gabriel, Michael, I think I spoke before. We should have we ran the numbers on this because that church in Liberty is trying to grow and they, and they want, and they're looking at facilities and stuff and, and I just don't know if we have enough resources to help them out. He's never concerned about money. He's concerned about his people's faithfulness. Even in the tithe that you bring to the storehouse, he does not care about the monetary money of that tithe. He cares about your faithfulness. He is not running the Dave Ramsey app like me and my wife do, saying, Liberty only brought in a couple thousand. They're short of their normal. How are we going to pay the heavenly bills? He don't care about the money part. He cares about the faithfulness part. And so he says to them, yeah, I'm going to gather this. And he says, and just a reminder, you're wondering how this is going to happen. The silver and the gold is all mine. Oh, yeah, but, oh, man. I'll never forget I was in high school when that, when that Solomon's temple was built. Oh, I just wish so bad we could go back. I just, oh. They brought all the animals, and it was so great. I just, it's so disheartening to see what's happened now. Hold it. Stop. God is speaking, and he says, I own, I own it all. The heavens are getting ready to shake again. My spirit's getting ready to enter that place again. And there is a reason why I told you to look back and remember and reminisce right now. Because I have one more thing to say to you in verse 9. He says, The future. The future glory. I just got done talking to you about the past. And it was awesome. But the future glory of this temple. You know the temple that's not even standing yet, hasn't even been constructed yet? It's just a pile of ruins that had an altar done. This temple that it's kind of hard to envision sometimes, the finished product and what it's going to look like. But this temple will be greater than its past glory. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord, have spoken. If you're here and you're, and you're still living in yesteryear about what God used to do and oh, all the things that used to take place, it took about 21 years from when they restarted building an altar until they saw the house of the Lord come to fruition, completed, and His promise take place. I heard a story in California where a church looked for a, a church looked for a building for 15 years before all of a sudden the church contacted them and said, "Hey." Uh, we can't pay our bills anymore, so here's what we're going to do. We want to trade you straight up, and you just take over the loan. 
See, we're so concerned sometimes about what God's going to do in our lives and how he's going to do it. Listen, God's here to spark some enthusiasm once again, not just about a building, but whatever your situation is that he says, hey, I'm here to remind you. I don't need to preach a whole message. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I am still with you. Yeah, but 2020, I am still with you. Yeah, but resources are I am still with you. There's always, listen, why was there still hope standing? Why, after all this, the temples and ruins, all these things going on. But what was one thing that continued to stand? It was the thing where it all started. It was the altar. It was the altar. And as long as your altar continues to stand, as long as you start at an altar, everything else is possible after that moment if we will just stay with the altar. Some of this, and I close, you can stand to your feet. Some of this was their own fault. They had walked away. They turned to pagan nations and pagan religions. But God shows up. And he shows up not to say, a bunch of knuckleheads, what's wrong? with you. He shows up not to remind them of their past choices, but he shows up to remind them of what started 21 years earlier at an altar. God is here to remind someone of something that started maybe two years ago, maybe 12 years ago, maybe 27 years ago, and it started in an altar. For some of you, where you knelt at an altar, you stood there with hands raised, and, I, and your eyes were filled with tears, and tears started streaming down your cheeks, and you felt the love of Jesus Christ, and you said, I want to be baptized in his name, and you said, you know what? God was speaking to me, and I love what I felt even though I couldn't explain what it was I felt something at that altar and God is here reminding you what started at that altar whether it was 2 years, 20 years 30 years, 40 years he's reminding you when I spoke to you at that altar, when I spoke to you at that altar on that day I have not changed I am still with you today just as much as I have ever been with you in your whole entire life and he's letting you know that if you will just turn your attention from your home and your things and your fame and your career and your name and your education and begin to say, God, what have I left in a pile of ruins that you have been wanting me to build? What have I walked away from that you have been calling me to construct? What mission do you still have for my life that I've left just unkept a little longer than I should have? I know God's speaking to someone right now to spark some enthusiasm in you and once again remind you what started at your altar is still very much alive today. I am inviting you to find a place to pray and to respond to the enthusiasm that God is trying to spark in you right now in the name of Jesus.